Praise Jesus. Amen. Well, get your Bibles out this morning. And uh, I want you to just throw it open, and I'll tell you where to go here in a little bit. But get it out. Look at it. Okay, so um, I'm going to finish my message. I started last week uh, called Tactical Advantage. And uh, but before I do that, I just want to I just want to say a few things. You know, church, listen to me. Don't get discouraged. Don't get in despair. I still believe God has his hand on this nation. I still believe that uh, maybe. I, I, well, I don't know. I can't speak for God of what he's doing. I just know God's in charge and he's going to do it. Amen. And I just know that everything's going to work out. I know that our job is to keep praising him. Our jo- job is to keep waving his banner and putting his standard in our lives and saying, Lord, this is what it is. Keep believing the word of God's true and going on. Amen. And so sometimes it gets hard to, to not be discouraged, but you just got to keep looking at God. And so this message that I was I was started last week and I can't go over all of it because I'll never get through because we are having communion today. And uh, it is about is about coming to an understanding of if you know your enemy and what he's going to do, then you have an advantage because you already see what's going to happen. You already know when you're when an attack comes or something happens or something flares up, you know, that then when it does, you, if you recognize that and catch that right off, that, that's just the enemy trying to discourage me today. Right. I mean, how many of you sat down and said, today, I'm going to start a new day. I am going to read my Bible every day. And you go throw down your Bible. As soon as you open up, the phone rings. The, 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 the stupid thing dings. Something happens. You know, the dog trees a coon. Something goes on. Something distracts you at that moment. You're, you're taken off and then away you go, right? I mean, it just happens. It's just, it's just the enemy. And so... Uh, I went over this, and I'm just going to touch a few highlights, but we, we talked about in 2 Kings 6.11 that, that Elisha and the, the moment that they were going to be attacked, that you know his servant came up freaked out, and Elisha said, wait a minute, there's more with us than there is with them. I'm telling you, uh, from, from Pastor Wynn and, and Pastor Ivan and different ministers that are going around, I said, listen to me, they're telling me, they're telling me, and I, they're not lying to me, they're not just trying to boast, but they're telling me people are getting saved everywhere, that there's people coming out of, uh, of either they haven't been going to church or they've been going to a, a, a dead church, a church that maybe closed down because of COVID or something of this nature, and they're changing churches, and those churches, those people are getting saved. He's just seeing thousands a week getting saved, thousands a week getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, thousands a week just taking place, uh, that, that there, there is revival going on out there. Amen? Even in the state of California. So, you know, the enemy wants to put out there about how bad everything is, but I'm just telling you this, God is doing good things and there are good people left and there are good people standing and it's, it's time for revival. It's time to realize there's more with us than there is with them. Okay. And stay positive on God. Amen. And so anyway, we talked about that. And then we went down and started talking about how Moses's last words to Joshua when he spoke to Joshua, you know, he's about to take all the army or all the, you know, the, the, the children of Israel into the promised land. And he tells him in Deuteronomy 31, 8, he says, and the, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Folks, listen to me. God's going before us. Okay, and it says, and he will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. We've got to be in a time right now that we're not being in fear and being dismayed. The word dismayed means to be shattered, to be shaken, to fall apart. Hello? It's not, it's, listen, no matter what is being reported, no matter what you see, it's not time to grab your hair and run down the street screaming, ah, 
ah, you know, chicken little, the world's falling. No, listen to me. God's in charge. God's on our side or we're on his side. Amen. Let's put it that way. So anyway, he hadn't fallen off the throne. I went to Philippians 1 and 6. God started a good work in y'all. He's going to finish it. Okay. Be confident in that. And so anyway, uh, then we went over to Ephesians 6.10 and talked about be strong in the Lord. But you're not going to be able to fight these battles. You're not going to be able to win if you're trying to do it in your own strength. If you're trying to be the person who's just going to, you know, be strong in yourself. I'm a strong person. I can make it. You're not going to make it. We've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Everybody say his might. Man, I, you don't want my might. You want his might. You want that infused power on the inside of you that can help you through the trials and the tribulations that are in the world or in just life. Okay. So anyway, we talked about that. Uh, I love the passion translations of Ephesians 6.10. It says, now, my beloved ones, I have saved the most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life's union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand victorious with the forces of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Amen. If you've been listening to the Wednesday night messages, I've been preaching about what it is in salvation, the spirit of life in salvation that is in each and every one of you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, man, the Bible says that we have power on the inside of us. We're not subject to these things of this world and have to play by the world's rules. We get to play by the supernatural rules of the word of God. Wow. Amen. Okay. So our strength comes from our relationship with the Lord. Okay. Now, all this I said last week. In, in depth. And so I'm just going to go on. So um, if we want to look at the tactics of the enemy that come against us, the most obvious one, okay, is to get you busy with life. You know, it's funny. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know and have seen the changes going in our life. You know, when my wife and I first were just married, you know, then we had children. And then you had the children along. Then the children got older. Then the children went to school. And then you went basketball games and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then you were involved in all of this. And then things went in. Oh, man, now all of a sudden we got grandchildren. Right? And so it, there's, there's changes that go in life. But you've got to be cautious not to get so busy with life, so busy with work, so busy trying to accomplish things that you compromise your relationship with Jesus. All right? So what happens to us is when we begin to have a lack of fellowship with Jesus, we begin to listen to the voice of reason. I'm not talking about the reason like don't grab a cactus. I'm not talking about that kind of reason. I'm talking about when you're trying to figure it all out in your head. Why is this happening? God, why is this going on? Why is this taking place? Why did that? Oh, God, what about this? One? You're, 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 you're listening to the voice of reason. And you're trying to reason and rationalize this. Well, the problem with listening to the voice of reason is that all of us have different levels of crazy in our life. And depending on your level of crazy and you start listening to reason, you know, your voice of reason, well, then you can get a voice of reason that's really crazy. So you're like, burn the town down. You know, it's like the, the apostles going out with Jesus and they didn't accept him in the Samaritan. They said, if you want us to call fire down from heaven, let's burn it. Jesus is like, who are you? You don't even know what spirit you're of. What are you talking about? We're going to kill a whole town. 
I'm here to bring people life. But those boys were out like, let's burn it. Well, that's just a level of crazy in life, all right? And so you spend all your time in this emotional energy when you're listening to the voice of reason, and you waste all your emotional energy until you become depleted, and then everything is a trauma. Now, this morning I was going over my notes, and I just thought of a story I, I, I just have to tell y'all, because it's so perfect in this whole thing about the wiles of the devil and the tactics of the enemy. There's a friend of mine, and uh, he was a young boy, and they went to a zoo. His parents took him to a zoo. And, and so he goes up to this cage, and there's a monkey in the cage. I don't remember what kind of monkey, but a pretty good-sized monkey. And there was a sign, a big sign says, do not feed the monkey. And so he looked at the monkey, and he was looking at the monkey, and the little monkey got up there, and he's got this little sad face, and he put his hands in, and he's just like, just backing him, just, and so he's like, oh, look at the poor little sweet monkey, he wants to be fed, and so he had a peanut or something, and so. He goes up to the cage, just, you know, he's just a kid, and he goes to the cage, and he slowly reaches out, and the monkey's like, oh, yeah. and then the monkey just that quick reached out, grabbed his hand, and went boom, 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 and it started bashing his face on the side of the cage. <laughs> and he was telling me this story, and I just started laughing. I said, man, do you see that's just like the devil? It's like, come on, just a little bit more farther, just a little bit farther. Oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Wham, 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 you know? That's the way the devil does it. He just tries to trick you and they oh, just a little of your time, just a little of this, just take a little bit of worry, just take a little bit of doubt, and the next thing you know, man, you're messed up, okay? So that's why we've got to be able to watch this, okay? Now, there's a real sad story, and I don't want to go through reading it all, but 1 Kings 13, you can read the story. It's a sad story to me because it says there was a man of God and God spoke to him and told him to go to a certain town and prophesy against the altar that was set up right there in Bethel. And he was supposed to prophesy against it. And he went up and prophesied. And then it was like 400 years later, the prophecy all came to pass. But anyway, so he's got the word of the Lord. And it goes and he prophesies. And God told him, go prophesy and then get out of town. Don't eat. Don't stop. Don't do nothing. Get out of town. Well, so he goes up there and he prophesies and, uh, and curses the altar and the king's there. And he says, hey, it's you know, stop that man. He reaches out his hand. His hand turns whatever, leprous white and won't work. And, and everybody says, oh, man, this guy's really a man of God. He said, I'll pray for him by my hand. He prayed for him. His hand goes back. I mean, pretty good trick, right? <laughs> you don't want to mess with you when you're just every time you reach your hand out, it is. So anyway, so the word got around. And there was an old prophet in town who must have just not cared too much about anything. God didn't use him, didn't speak to him. And he said, man, I want to meet this man of God. And so he goes to the man of God and he says, hey, come on back and eat with me. I'd like to talk with you and visit with you. And, and the, 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 the other prophet that it was true, he says, no, God told me I can't eat here. And he said, no, 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 it's okay because the word of the Lord came to me a while ago and told me it was okay for you to come home to meet, eat with me. And so the guy says, oh, okay. What? You better watch out. So he goes home and eats with him. They're sitting at the table just about to cut into a big old steak. And the prophet rises up and says, has a true prophecy. One of those, you know, Pentecostal kind of, kind of prophecies. Yay, hey, thus saith the Lord, you're going to die because you came home and eat with me. And so he's like, wow. 
See, the voice of reason got him in trouble. He reasoned that the other old prophet was right. The voice of reason will get you in trouble. So the prophet leaves, goes down the road, and a lion jumps him and eats him because he disobeyed the word of the Lord. The point is the voice of reason will get you in trouble. And you got to watch because there's a lot of things going on out there. There's a lot of things being preached. There's a lot of things being said out there in the world that, man, I'm telling you what, if it doesn't line up 100% with this Bible, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to get cut up, caught up with some, you know, slick willy preacher that can go out there and, 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 and prophesize good and spit really flies. Man, I want to know what lines up with the word. Amen. So that voice of reason will get you in trouble. That's one of the first tactics that the enemy's going to do with you. So you've got to stop and ask yourself, am I listening to the voice of God through his word? Am I staying in his word and making my decisions? Or am I listening to the voice of reason? So if you see the voice of reason coming in, you need to stop. You need to repent, say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm listening to myself, listening to my head, listening to the news, listening to all this other stuff. Lord, I'm listening to the other voices coming out and talking to me. I'm not doing that. What do you say? All right? So the second one here that I want to show you out of the voice of reason is simply this, fear. The devil's big tactic is to use fear against you. All right? And so I've got fear divided up into three categories here. And I want to show you this this morning about how fear can creep into our lives and we don't even realize it's crept into our lives. So go to John 18, 15. I want to read this. John 18, 15. The first area of fear that can come in is the fear of man. The fear of man. Here's old Peter. So Simon Peter had followed Jesus and so did the other disciples. Now that the disciple was known to the high priest and he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? And he said, no, no, I'm not. Now, poor old Peter, I don't want to rag on Peter too much. I want to go to heaven someday and, and meet him. And, and I don't want to just you know, beat him up. But I mean, this is, a, this is a low moment for Peter, right? And see, that's what happens to us right now in this world and in, in, in America right now is to be a Christian and say you're a Christian, say you believe what the Bible says it, it, to a, a, a big majority of voice out there. That's a bad thing. And it's real easy to get into the opinion of man or, or, or to begin to fear man right here like this and say, OK, yeah. Right. But I want you to know I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a God believing American. Like I said, there, we've done ever, there's, we've made mistakes. There's no doubt because humans are involved. And I don't, I know that whatever, but I'm telling you, I believe the word of God's true. I believe that God is exalted. I do believe that this is, that a man has to be saved by the blood of Jesus. And I'm not going to back off of it. I believe God's word's true. And if it doesn't line up with the word with it, I'm sorry, I'm not going to agree with you. And if you tell me it's a hate crime to say that, well then bless God, I guess I'm into the hate crime. Come see if you can arrest me. But I'm not going to stop if YouTube's going to cut me off or Facebook's going to cut me off because I'm preaching the word of God. Facebook shut me off the other day. Well, I didn't even get started. Just barely prayed and I was already shut off. I'm like, well, you guys aren't even giving me a chance. I love people, all kinds of people. I'm not against anybody. I just want everybody to know Jesus. And I'm not going to back off that. 
And we can't get like Peter and stop and say, oh, no, no, oh, no, I don't know him. Okay? Look at verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Don't warm yourself with the things of this world. Therefore they said to him, are you also one of the disciples, aren't you? And he denied it and said, oh, no, I'm not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. You cut my ear off. <laughs> he, did not, he said, I did not see you in the garden with him. And Peter de- then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Oof. Jesus already told him this was going to happen. But folks, we've got to be the kind of people that, that in this day, in this time, in this hour, we're going to stand strong. Yeah. Amen. We're not going to let the fear of man get to us. Let me show you another one. John 12, 42. John 12, 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Least they should put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Folks, listen to me. We cannot try to agree with people just because we want their praise. God didn't call us at that. The devil wants to use as a tactic against you and bring fear into you that you are going to be, you know, put out. You are going to be looked down upon. You are going to be, you know, segmented off. But I'm telling you, there's more with us than there is with them. All right. So that's fear, as I'm telling you, is his tactic. But this is one of the things of fear. Watch out if your life is being Moved or swayed because of what you believe. Watch out. Because the devil's trying to use a tactic on you. He's trying to put fear into you. And you can't let it take hold. Amen? Now, the second part of fear is a little different. Okay? This is a fear that the devil uses to come on the inside of you and to get you to try to doubt God. The fear is God's not going to answer your prayer in your timing. The devil uses this. He'll come to you and say, oh, oh don't you remember you prayed before and you, that didn't happen. He's trying, to, it's, it's a, it's a, folks, it's as if the, the enemy's standing out there as an archer and he's got his bow drawn back and you just happen to come vulnerable and he sticks you and says, see, God's not going to answer your prayers. God's not in control. You, you've done this. You've done that. God's not going to go. He's not moving. He, you know, it's you done too much. God's not going to hear your prayers. That's a, that's a tactic of the enemy to get you into fear because fear is the opposite of faith. And God's promises work on faith. Hello? Not in fear. So if he can get you into fear, you lost it. Now, I know, I'm, I know, I know y'all are all amazing people, and most of y'all have just got your life perfect, and ever, there's never any issues and never any problems. You never have any doubts or fears or worries. But perhaps, maybe once, this has happened to you, that when you prayed and you just got through with a fiery prayer, I mean, you just prayed, felt like you prayed the heavens down, and then the thought zipped through your mind, God's not going to answer that. Can I have an amen if that's ever happened to you? Okay. That's a tactic of the enemy. Just recognize it. 
You don't have to get freaked out. You don't have to run and say, oh, I'm full of doubt and unbelief. Oh, no. no, it's a tactic of the enemy. That's what he does. He wants you to get in doubt and unbelief. He wants you to get into fear. Okay? Now, in the book of 1 Samuel, Old Testament 13, 5, is the story of Saul. And let me just read it. I'm going to start in verse 5. 1 Samuel 13, 5. It says, Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen as the people of the, of the sand were the seashore in the multitude. And they came up and encamped at Michmash, east of Beth Haven. And when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were in distress, then the people hid themselves in caves and thickets and in rocks and the holes and in the pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over to the Jordan to the land of, of Gad and Gilead. For as Saul, he was still in Gilead or, or Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, well, bring me the burnt offerings and the peace offerings here. And he offered the burnt offerings. And it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offerings that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people and they were all scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the, the Philistines are now going to come down to Gilgal and, 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 the, and I've not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled to offer a burnt offering. It wasn't Saul's job. He was the king. He was not the priest. It wasn't his job, but he got into this place. He looked out there again, listen to the voice of reason. And said, oh, my gosh, they're all out there. They're like the sand of the sea. They're going to get us. Look, the people are leaving. I better take charge. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. You better not take charge. You better let God be in charge. Because when you take charge, you're going to get yourself in some trouble. You're going to be prying open doors you should have never pried open. You're going to be over there knocking things down and walls down you should have left up. That's what happens. Because... When we, when that fear comes on us that God's not going to answer our prayer, we start trying to make it happen. It's your job to pray and God's job to answer and, and, and fix the situation. Your job is to pray. Let's get our jobs straight. Your job's to pray in faith. Hello? That's your job. It's his job to answer. Don't try to do his job. You know, you, 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 you wives are trying to get your husband straight. And so you're praying, but you don't see God move fast enough. So then you get into manipulation. Woo! Did I say that? You're going to take charge. You're going to prod. You're going to push. You're going to make things happen. Uh-oh, you're doing like what Saul did. You're not waiting for God to be the answer. You're going to make it happen. Hello, husband, you're trying to let your wife, trying to get your wife to do something. You're trying to buy something. She won't turn loose of the purse string. So then you get into manipulation. I'm just saying, it's just simple things like that. We're not watching. We let ourselves get into the enemy's camp and the enemy's way of thinking. And then, folks, once you've entered into that, you're sunk because you're you're literally fighting a battle standing in the enemy's camp. 2 Corinthians 
2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We're not supposed to be looking at things. We're supposed to be looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're supposed to be praying and then thanking him for making it happen and that he orders our steps and prepares our way and makes all the crooked paths straight. And then we're going to walk with him saying, God, I just thank you today. You're making it happen. That's not easy. I'm not sitting here pointing the finger like I got it all done. I do not know how many times I have had. And I, I, I praise God that he's merciful. and I get mercy fresh and new every morning. But I don't know how many times I have. Just been saying, you know, said to the Lord, Lord, what is going on? Why is this happening? Why isn't that taking place? And why didn't you do this? And Lord, it had been a lot easier if you'd have just made that happen. You're doing this. And, and then I'll just be in a quiet time there and he'll say, are you through? I'll say, yeah, I guess. Because we put ourselves in charge. We think we're going to make it happen. All right. Which takes me to the third place of fear. All right. The fear of losing control. Okay. The fear of, of losing control. So the first fear is just the fear of man. The second fear is the fear of God's not going to answer your prayer. And then the third fear that comes in, the third level of fear, you call it level of fear or just whatever, is just simply the fear of losing control. So look at John eleven forty five. This is one. This is there's certain things to me that just they're, they're they're crazy to me. I can't even understand the thinking of the people. But I'm the same way with that and what's going on a lot in the world today. John eleven forty five. This is after Lazarus was raised from the dead. Pretty big event. Dead man coming out of the tomb. And it says, and many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And so they plotted to kill Jesus. Now, folks, listen to me. These guys just came back and told them, yeah, we were over there at Mary's house, and Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And then the rulers come together and say, well, we can't have that. This isn't going to be any good. We got to stop that mess. What? Where, where, where does the arrogance come in your life that you think you're that much better and smarter and have a better plan than Jesus does? They should have fallen on their face and ran over there and worshiped him. But there was the fear of losing control. That's what it was, a fear of losing control. Listen to me, folks. I lost control of my life in 1985 when I gave my heart to Jesus. You lost yours or you should have. The day you gave your heart to Jesus. That was the day that he became in control and you were just simply the servant. But we Christians, you know, after we get a little bit of wisdom and we read, you know, a few pages in the Bible, we get to where we think we know it all. And that we have a better understanding and a better knowledge and a better way to do things than God could possibly do. And so we have to get in there and try to tell him how to do it. When we really should get up every morning, bow our knees and say, Lord, here I am today. You've given me one more day on earth, and I don't know what you want me to do, but whatever it is, show me, lead me, guide me. That's a true heart of a Christian. Yes. 
All right. You've already lost control. So quit trying to get back in control. All right. So. Let's just look now. Let's just change the, the pace here and let's look at how to defeat fear. OK, go to Proverbs three, five and six. Oh, it's a oh goody. You know this one. You probably quoted it so much you have lost the power of it. That happens to us a lot. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Can I have an amen? amen. And lean not to your own understanding. Ooh. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I preached a message just on that, that verse a while back, but you may have heard it, may not. I was just reading through my Bible one morning, and I... I was on that Proverbs 3 was my daily reading. And, and I said, trust in the Lord. And as soon as I said trust, I knew something was just different. And I began to look up the word trust. And it says it, the word trust in the Hebrew means to be so assured that you can live a careless life. Now, careless, sometimes we use it in a term meaning you're reckless. But in there, it means to be care. No cares, care less. That you can wake up in the morning and not have a care in the world. Trust in the Lord. In other words, so much assurance that God is going to do what God said he would do and that God has got your life in his hand. That John 10, 29, you're in the palm of the Father's hand and nothing going to take you out. So assured, so trusting that you don't have any cares. So then that takes us to Philippians 4, 6. Wow. I, 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 this, one, this one, it's almost like I'm like this, like, ah, I don't want to read it. I don't want to read it because I get convicted myself. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Woo! How close are you to that one? Be anxious for nothing. Most Christians' prayers are nothing but a, a list of fears that they're saying to the Lord to try to help me. But he says our, we actually should be anxious for nothing. But we live in a world right now that no matter what you do, you turn your phone on, you turn the TV on, you get on your computer, you look up anything you look at is all fear-based. It's all fear-based. Isn't it interesting if you just... If you just assess television, the only reason why they have any type of show on is to try to put advertisements out there to sell you something. That's what it's all based on. And so you got the food commercials, okay? Then you got the drug commercials trying to counteract what the food commercial just did to you. With the side effects then of the drug commercial that you... You know, they just need a church commercial so that it takes care of the what the side effect of the other one did. Right. But you know what I'm saying? It's all fear based. I mean, have you all ever listened? I mean, it's, it's comical. Take this new drug. This drug will do this, this and this. And then this guy talks to as side effects are and they go through the side effects. You're like, holy moly. Wow. If you just had a half or just one of those, a half of one of them. Those side effects, I don't want that. My goodness. You know? And, you, and they say that, and I guess they have to, but still, you, you look at it, you're just like, 
What? <laughs> ah, I just laugh every time. But the Bible tells us that we're to be anxious for nothing. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like I can't preach it. I feel like I can't get the English words out enough to express what God is wanting to say to us, that he wants us so assured and so wrapped in his love and his comfort, so, so just, you know, engrossed and empowered in his love that he wants us to actually be, care, be, be careless in life, just to have a carefree life, trusting in him and be anxious for nothing because in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There's this relationship. There's this fellowship with him. There's this times of sitting, reading his word and praying and having fellowship with God to where it's, it's so assured you that everything's okay. So then would it not make sense that the more anxiety we have, the less relationship with God we have? Would that not equate to the same thing? So we're anxious. So first thing you should do is be looking at your prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Because he says you should be anxious for nothing. Yes, Lord. Go to Psalms 37.1. Psalms 37 is, is one of the psalms that you like really need to have on a piece of paper on your fridge and looking at all the time. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust, there's that word again, in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. I've told you all this before, but used to in the early, my early Christian walk, I, I, I journaled and I would write down every day something and I, and I've gone back and read those and I had to laugh at myself because realizing when I started out walking with, with Jesus, how little of faith I had and everything was a trauma and I would write it down and, and I, my, my prayer and everything, I'd read it and I'd say, oh, look, and then I would, now I laugh at it like, look at that. You know, I was, I was trying to believe God for this and I mean, my goodness. And now looking back and seeing all what God's done and the miracles he takes place and all the things that go on, right? Because we're in that life of growing and maturing with the Lord. All of us are, okay? But I have, when, those, when I see that, then all of a sudden my life changes, my faith changes because I realize how God has been faithful. And sometimes, church, it's a good thing to stop and sit down and have you a quiet time with the Lord and just feed on his faithfulness. Remember those times God has bailed you out, what he's done and how many things he's done for you. And then when that little voice crops up and says, yeah, but what about you? Say, shut up. We're not talking to you. We're feeding on the faithfulness of God. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at what God did. God did this. God did that. You're going to get this because see what we're doing. We're getting anxious. And we're wanting to see this happen, and we're wanting to go, and we're going to move, want to go, want to move. Hello? I'll, I'll tell you myself. Listen, I'll tell all myself this morning here. You know, we, we, the, the, the board and other uh, uh, people around here, we got to all talking about building a new sanctuary out there. 
And so we started talking about this. I went to Architects. I was all fired up. I was going to, we were looking at this saying, man, we're going to build a 600 seat sanctuary out there. We're going to go forward and going to do this. Going to put the healing center in, going to this and bringing all, dreaming all this stuff, going out there like this. And then one day it was just like, and I just like had a freak out moment with the Lord that morning. What are we doing, Lord? Oh my God. And the Lord's so gracious to me. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just stop for a minute. Just keep that out there. Keep that dream going. Keep that thing out there sitting out there like that. I want you to move forward on a little bit. Just keep it out there. But I want you to go over here to the pavilion. And I want you to go ahead and start this. And I want you to do this little project and go ahead and enclose that. So you got more square footage going on over there. We're going to put that in and get that going so we can make all of our discipleship classes out there and make that a mini freedom center and do that. I want you to go start with a little one so you can see what I'll do. So then we can do the big one. And I was like, I can do that one, Lord. Thank you that I got to start with a little step before I had to jump into a big step, right? You know, so we're going to pour concrete Tuesday unless it floods. I told the, I told the concrete guys, I said, blows your ditches out, whatever, I'll pay extra to get fixed. I don't care. If it rains, it rains. But see, folks, you got to delight yourself in the Lord. Right. You've got to delight yourself in the Lord and feed on his faithfulness. And that's what it takes in life. Because, folks, listen to me. You are you are here today because God has got you this for even with you fighting and kicking and going backwards sometimes where God's going that way and you're going the other. One time I had a dream that that I, I was like trying to get through a door like I was trying to walk through a door opening. But it, there was like this really uh tough plastic wrapping all over the door. And I was like this with it on my face. And I was trying to push through the door. And the Lord said, it's not time. Would you quit pushing? And I was like, well, okay. And then I had to stop and say, thank you for not letting me bust through, get over into something I shouldn't have been in. But you're here today because God's got you here. There's a reason for what's going on in life. You're here today because God has got you to this place. No matter how much you fought him or tried, gone down the straight road like this, right? So feed on his faithfulness, feed on his faithfulness. I got just two more scriptures right quick. Isaiah 41, 10. This is another one you need to write down. Fear not for I'm with you. So how do you defeat fear? You know, God's with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Woo! Now, the last one. 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18. This is so important, church. See, if you have a concept of God, and your concept is like God's not very nice, like he's a wrathful, mean, vengeful God. So your, your relationship with God is kind of like, yes, Father, yes, Father, yes, Father. Not, hey, Dad. Right? And maybe, maybe you don't want to go talk to God too much because you're scared you're going to get in trouble. Or something of this nature. And you don't really know how much God loves you. You need to go read the story of the prodigal son. Find over in Luke 15. And read that. Over and over and over and over and over and over until you get the revelation how much God loves you. 
The prodigal son, when he came home, the father saw him coming down the road, jumped off the porch and ran down the road, grabbed him, hugged him, kissed him. Son said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be your son. Never listened to him. Turned to his servants and said, bring the best robe, put the ring on his finger, put the shoes on. You're get, get my son, go kill the fatted calf. Because my son's home now. And 1 John here, 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love. You want to stop the fear in your life? That God's not going to answer your prayer? The fear of man? The fear of losing control? You want to stop that? You want to shut that voice up? Start dwelling and thinking about how much God loves you. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So fear is coming about because you haven't been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If you're having troubles and difficulties and believing God loves you, well, then go back and look at Jesus. Go back and look that God sent his only son. Go look at John 3.16 that you may quote. But you don't really believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world. Go look at, go look at Romans 4, 5, 6 when they're talking about that he loved you when you were a sinner. He loved you when you were lost. He loved you then. How much more now that you said, Jesus, you are my savior. See, we get into that works and we get into that trying to be perfect. And I'm just telling you, church, you have to have the understanding of how much God loves you so that it casts the fear out of your life and gives the devil no place to torment you. As Christians, we should not be tormented. Matter of fact, if you want to put the bar up there, be anxious for nothing. Be so carefree that you're not worried about anything. No, it doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't get that idea. Don't go out of here today thinking that everything's going to be perfect. You're never going to have a flat tire. You're never going to have an ugly phone call. You're never going to have a conflict. No, 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 no. Don't think about that. We still live in a fallen world. You're going to have difficulties, but every time a difficulty comes up, you're like, ah, Jesus, you got that. Oh, you can take care of that, Lord. That's, that's nothing for you, Lord. Go back to that Philippians 1, 6. You started a good work in me, Lord. You're going to finish it. You're going to take care of it. That's how he wants you to live. Amen? So if this message has hit you and you're like, yeah, I have been worried about that. You know, I've been fretting over that. Well, then we're going to have communion here this morning. And communion is a perfect place for you to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I haven't been walking in faith like you want me to. I'm sorry I hadn't been feeding on your faithfulness. I'm sorry, Lord, I hadn't been having fellowship with you like I should. And when you do that, folks, then that's what communion's all about. Because this is not just a ceremony. This is you having time for the power of God to come into you and commune with God to set you free. There's no shame. Listen to me. There's no shame with God in you being tricked by the devil. Right? There's only shame when you don't repent because then you broke your fellowship with him. Folks, I am quick to repent. If you want to know anything about your pastor, I am quick to repent. I got to do lots of repenting. I do. 
I'll be honest with you. I, I, man, I just know where I'm perfect. I got to do a lot of repenting. But I just want you to know I'm quick to repent. When I see it and get convicted, I just fall down and say, God, I am so sorry. What am I doing? What was I thinking? Because I don't know about y'all, but I don't like living in torment. I do not like living in torment. I don't like giving the enemy any place in my mind and in my thoughts to torment, to tell me things are going to go bad, things aren't going to go right, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this, that, and the other. I don't like that at all. Just makes me, you know, makes me tired all over. Hello? So this is the perfect place to come. Now, for those of you out watching today, you know, I told you get your communion elements together there at, at your house or wherever you're at. You can have communion with us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to have communion with us. We have an open communion service here at church. And uh, we're also going to have our prayer team up here as we uh, always do. And so as you come up, if you need prayer about anything, they're here to pray with you. That's what they're doing. That's their job. That's what they've been trained for. And so reach out to them. But I got to tell you, for, ch folks, listen to me. And I got to speak to all of y'all out there. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, well, then before this communion service takes place, that's what you need to come to a, a realization about. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you'd confess with your mouth and you'd believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you would be saved. If you invite him into your life and come in and say, Lord, I believe, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. He will right there. There's no distance in spirit. And if you pray earnestly from your heart, he'll touch you right where you're at. And then you'll be saved. And you'll, the indwelling spirit of God will come inside of you and set you free. If you're in this building today, when you come up and, and if you need to, to rededicate your life or you need to ask Jesus in your life for the first time, that's what the prayer team people are here Go pray with one of them and then step back and take communion. And what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Amen. So let me have my, uh, the prayer team come down, please, my pastoral team to help me. Sweetie, can you come up and play something? By the way, I always forget to say this. Sweetie is my wife, so just want you all to know that there's nothing strange going on. I am having an affair with the piano player. <laughs> Forty-two years long now. 